And if you don't, well, inside your program is an, uh, an outline of my sermon and a number of scripture texts. Someone said, Pastor John, are you putting more Bible verses on the back of your outlines than you used to? And the answer, actually, is yes. Um, because when we come to very short texts that are definitive in many ways for the Christian life, then we must remember the, the truth that Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture gives us insight into other Scriptures. It's just the way to read the Bible, friends. And so that's what we do, and there's many Scriptures. I won't go through them all, but many Scriptures that speak to the current text we're looking at from the Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And now today's text. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy. In 1993, a man named O'Shea Israel murdered the only son of a woman named Mary Johnson. They were at a party in Minneapolis. They got into a fight. Israel shot Mary's son four times and killed him. And she said, during the trial, I was filled with rage. This man, she said, is an animal and he deserves to be locked up in a cage. But then Mary writes, After many years, I knew as a Christian woman that I had to forgive him. And I had to deal with my own heart. And I contacted him and I asked him if I could visit him. And he said yes. And she said, I prayed. She said, I actually went on a 21-day fast. But something was happening inside of me. A transaction needed to occur. Because she said, I have received mercy from God. God, show me how to give mercy to others. She says, I met with him. We talked I learned about his life and I told him I'm going to let you go I'm going to forgive you and as I stood up to leave he said would you give me a hug and she said I started to faint he held me up and then suddenly it was like a physical reaction in my body. Something rose in, up, and out of me, and all of the bitterness and the hatred evaporated. But the story is not over, because this man had a long jail sentence, as he should have. But you know, he made parole. And he had nowhere to live. 
And Mary Johnson went to her landlord and said, you know, the apartment next to me is empty. And I know someone who needs a place to live. And she welcomed him into the apartment next to hers. And they have become friends. And they've even become spokespeople for forgiveness and mercy. Mercy. Mercy can be a little thing. You know, my wife is merciful to people in the checkout lines at Stop and Shop. You know, when the, when the other customers are rude, my wife will look the cashier in the eye and check out her name and say, You know, Mary, thanks for serving today. I hope your day gets better. And Mary might smile for the first time. Sometimes the exhibition of mercy is jaw-dropping and amazing. Sometimes it's little and yet also life-changing. Mercy. Jesus calls us to be like God, to be merciful. And what you have happening as we are studying through the Beatitudes is that we finish the first four Beatitudes and they are all vertical. That is, they talk about our posture before God, the poor in spirit, the meek, um, you see, and, and, and hungering and thirsting after God's righteousness. Those are all uh, vertical. But now it shifts and he begins to teach about our relationships one to another. It becomes horizontal. And by the way, if you know your Old Testament, what does this remind you of? It reminds you of the Ten Commandments that were given at another mountain. Because the first four of the Ten Commandments are all about man's duty and relationship with God. And then the next six of the Ten Commandments are about man's duty to man and how we relate. You shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery. And it's horizontal. Isn't that interesting? And so here now you have the Son of God on a mountain giving, as it were, the new constitution for the new covenant community in these Beatitudes. And the keynote for the horizontal relationships that we are to have arise from these words, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Wow. Why do I say Jesus is calling you and me to be like God? And the answer is that God is merciful. Oh, we could spend a lot of time. Let me just remind you of Deuteronomy 4, verse 31. You see it on the back of your outline there. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers. And uh, actually, Nehemiah, hundreds of years later... As God has been merciful to Israel after all their rebellion, Nehemiah says, But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. And God says to his people in the book of Micah, that passage that we all have heard, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. And to love mercy, there it is, and to walk humbly with your God. Mercy. How can I define it? One way to think about mercy is to understand that mercy is an inward, I'll say it, a feeling, an emotion, a, 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 a movement in your heart of love and compassion that drives you to action 
to bless someone else. Mercy is a movement of love and compassion in your heart that moves you to action, to bless and to help, and often to forgive someone else. You put on their shoes. You begin to sense who that other person is. And then you act on your desire to see them receive mercy. Jesus taught about this a lot, you know. And, and uh, two main ways. It's reaching out to those who are afflicted. The, the, the Puritans used to say, reaching to the wretched. That's not a bad way of putting it. The person who's struggling, the person who's broken, the person who is poor and who is without. And Jesus says that's one way. And the other way, of course, to show mercy is to forgive. That most painful but powerful spiritual surgery where you forgive the person who has trespassed against you. In that first one, that just the, the reaching to the, the afflicted and the hurting, Jesus, he didn't just teach about it. Jesus lived that way. All right, this preacher is not perfect, and maybe some of you would say of him, he should learn how to practice what he preaches, but Jesus always practiced what he preached. Jesus was the greatest teacher, the greatest pastor, the most wonderful human that ever walked on the face of this earth. I hope you get to know him. And Jesus lived a life of mercy. How many times is Jesus walking down the road as you read through the Gospels and someone shouts out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, right? And how many times does Jesus touch the leper? Reach to the widow. Feed the hungry. Restore the broken. He lived that way, but then he did teach. Maybe the story that we all know best is that great parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Where Jesus uh, tells this story to a man who comes to Jesus and he, he wants to justify himself and and present himself as pretty good. And he says, Jesus says, love your neighbor. He says, well, who is my neighbor? Right? Jesus says, well, let me tell you. There was a man walking down the road toward Jericho, and he falls into the hands of robbers, and they beat him, and they knock him out, and they steal everything that he has, and they leave him in the gutter. And then a priest comes by. And what does the priest do? And the Levite after him, what, does, what do they do? They walk to the other side of the road. And they ignore the man lying in the gutter. But then a, a Samaritan comes. A Samaritan. The Jews didn't like the Samaritan. But a Samaritan comes. And he, you recall, comes to the man and pours medicine on his wounds and puts the man on his own donkey and takes him to the inn and takes care of him and nurses him to health and then he goes on his way but says to the innkeeper keep tabs of this and when I come back I'll pay you whatever is owed then Jesus asks this man 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, now listen carefully to this, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. There's our word, you see. And Jesus is making it clear. This is what mercy looks like. And he says, go and do likewise. How do we go and do likewise? I don't think on your way home from church you're likely to see someone bloody, unconscious, lying in the gutter. But what do we do? North Shore Community Church. We're a church family. What do we do to be merciful? Because Jesus said, go and do likewise. Well, I'll tell you a few things that collectively we've decided. Jesus says, feed the hungry. So what do we have? We have a food pantry and a wonderful team. We give away about $1,000 worth of groceries every month. We budgeted it. That's what we pass the plate for, part of our budget. And we use it, and then we have a team of people on Saturday mornings. And we need help on Saturday mornings. We wish more of you would come and help. But uh, from your contributions, we are giving groceries to people who need a supplement. And if you know someone who is in need, by all means, bring them by on Saturday morning. We have a thrift store. Jesus said, clothe the naked. Now, there's not naked people running around, but there are people who can use gently used clothing and pay a tiny price as opposed to retail prices down at Americana, Manhasset. And that wouldn't be what they want to do. And our thrift store, because you do your spring cleaning, and many people in our community put it in a bag, they bring it here, and we have a Cracker Jack team that runs that thrift store. And those proceeds as well go to the benevolent fund. And that is the third thing we've agreed to do. We have a benevolent fund. And every communion Sunday, you write a check as well as your regular offering check, and you give to the benevolent fund. And then we have a mercy committee that distributes that as we, in in our wisdom as best we can, see there is need. You can write a check. You don't have to wait till then. You can write a check anytime to the benevolent fund. And some of you do frequently. Our teenagers, we're going to the Bowery Mission this summer. And we we feel like that's really important uh, for our teenagers to go and minister to the homeless and and see firsthand what, well, they used to call it Skid Row, but what it's like. And this is one of the premier mission agencies for such a long time, for years and years in New York. And we we want to be supportive of these kinds of activities collectively together. But individually, personally. Some of you have adopted children through Compassion International or World Vision. And some of you have just loved on single moms and single dads because being a single parent is a hard thing sometimes. And, and just to, to help and encourage some of our teenagers and some of the children of our church have learned how to reach out to the kids who are sitting alone at the lunch table. And they say, come sit with us. You know, like my wife Nina, the, the, to the lady at the checkout counter who's having a hard day. And the, the, I see among our young people so many beautiful displays of mercy to children that maybe the other kids aren't as nice to. Mercy. Jesus tells us, go and do likewise. But then there's this second aspect, and that, of course, is what we saw in the life of Mary Johnson. 
It's forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer. We, we all, I hope, have learned the Lord's Prayer. And there's that, that line in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or the old King James, remember that? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now listen, this is in the Lord's Prayer. I guess Jesus is taking this seriously, this forgiveness, this exhibition of mercy. Oh, but Jesus, you don't know what you're asking. To forgive those who sinned against me? How can I do that? And again, Jesus didn't just teach about this, but from the cross himself, he lived it. Father, forgive them, he said. But he also taught us. And our worship team read for you his premier teaching on this. We call it the parable of the what kind of servant? The unmerciful servant. Jesus, he gives us clues into the nature of forgiveness. That if we are going to obey him and learn how to show mercy, we must learn how to, to perform that spiritual surgery on our own hearts. And there's, I, I won't reread the whole passage because it was read earlier in the service, but the, there are three components that the Bible speaks about when it comes to forgiving someone who hurt you and sinned against you. And the first is that we must learn to, I call it, to tear the snapshot. Tear the snapshot. I get this from Lewis Smead's book, uh, Forgive and Forget. Because you see, when somebody sins against me, what I do is I take this Polaroid instant photograph of them. Click at their worst. Get the worst picture I can. And I, I print it out and I put it in my shirt pocket and I keep it very close to my heart. And every time I see that person, I think of that person, I take it out and I say, there's that no good who did that to me. And in the parable of the unmerciful servant... The unmerciful servant goes out, and there's this other guy who owes him a little bit of money. Remember, he owed a whole lot of money, and uh, he was forgiven. But when he sees the guy who owes him a couple of bucks, it says all he could see was the debt. He goes, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. Why? You see, because all he could see was the debt. And when you have to forgive someone, you can't just see the debt. See, when Mary Johnson went to meet that man Israel again in prison, she learned more about his life. She learned about him. She began to see him as made in the image of God. And if, if the other person is a Christian and Christians do sin against Christians, then you have to say, well, this person is a brother or a sister. And if the person isn't a Christian, well, then you're surprised that they sinned against you? No, we have compassion on them because they're blind and entangled in sin. And, and not that we're any better, but, but they need the, the eyes of their heart open too. So you have to change the snapshot and begin to see them as made in the image of God and valuable. But then you have to change, secondly, the way you feel about them. And in verse 27, you, this is surprising. The master who was owed the, the thousands and thousands of dollars, that master, it says, had pity on his servant. 
That's actually an emotional concern. That is, he actually had pity on the guy who was begging him for forgiveness. Now, to change emotions is... But I'm, I'm no therapist. I, I, I know we all struggle with controlling our emotions toward other people. But it says the good forgiver, he had pity on the person who owed him. I remember reading a story from Dr. Dobson about a woman that he counseled, a great psychologist, and this woman's father was just, he was just mean to her. She grew up in a home where her dad belittled her and criticized her, made her feel small and unloved, and, and then her, she's grown up and her dad dies and she's, she's not reconciled, and she's a mess. And Dr. Dobson said, well... We counseled, I tried everything. I, you know, we went through everything, and she, just, she was just such, in such bondage to the personal pain that she was carrying. And then one day, she came into his office, and she said, you know what I did this week? I went to my dad's hometown, and I talked to some people who knew him. And they told me, he had a hard life growing up. The other kids were always mean to him. He tried a lot of adventures and failed, and then people mocked him, told him he'd never amount to anything. And she said, you know, Dr. Dobson, that doesn't excuse the way he treated me. He treated me badly. But she said, you know, it helps me understand him more. And I'm finding that the hatred in my heart is dissolving. So you have to change the snapshot, but then you have to somehow allow for a change, a healing in the feelings. But then third, if you're going to forgive according to Jesus Christ, you have to surrender your right to get even. This is the hardest part of all in forgiveness. This is the hardest because you and I know the universe entitles me to justice. And it does. They sinned. Maybe you did too, but we're not talking about that right now. They sinned, and the universe entitles me to get even. But in verse 33, Luke records for us that uh, the voice of the master, he says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And what's going on there is Jesus is simply saying, God surrendered his right to get even with you, didn't he? So now you, on that basis, you who have received mercy, now you surrender your right to get even. And so, Suddenly the transaction, the surgery comes to a close and you forgive and you put out your hand and you say, the distance between us will no longer be on the grounds of my bitterness and my hate. But as I have received mercy, I forgive. Wow. Blessed are the merciful. <laughs> Pastor, you're putting a heavy burden on me. I've got to go out and take care of the needy and I've got to forgive the guy who sticks it to me? That's awfully expensive. That's awfully rough. What's in it for me? 
And Jesus answers the end of the beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Do you believe this promise you will receive mercy? Some of us do. Some of us don't. Why? Because we don't believe it because, because we keep messing up. <laughs> we keep sinning. How could he forgive me? How could he show me mercy? And some of us aren't sure because, and every Christian, every Christian wrestles with this question. As you get to know God better, you get to know his holiness, his purity, his righteousness, his perfection, his holiness. How can somebody who's holy and who must punish sin show mercy and forgive sin? How can God be true to himself, to his own holiness, and how can God then also be true to himself and be merciful? And the answer comes from within the Trinity itself, within God himself, where the love of God provides the solution as the Father plans our salvation, the Son says, I will go into that miserable world and I will live the life they should live and I will die the death that they should die in their place. And justice and mercy kiss at the cross of Jesus Christ. That is where mercy is found for us at the cross. And Jesus knows that's where he's going. If you won't forgive, Jesus makes another promise. It's, there in, it's, in, it's in your bulletin. He says, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Now that's a terrible promise. The Bible does have terrible promises. If you will not forgive... And Jesus teaches us in many places, you've never ever really tasted the forgiveness and the mercy of God. So you must forgive. And the way to do it, the way to do it, I'm going to teach you now, maybe the most practical thing I'm going to say. The way to become a merciful person is to learn to ask for mercy. Hebrews 4, 16. It's a marvelous passage where it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It says, Go, and Christian, go and ask for mercy. Tell God you're struggling. Tell Him you've sinned. Tell Him you're hurting. Ask Him for mercy. He will show you mercy. Ask Him for forgiveness. He will give you forgiveness. And as you taste and see his mercy, then you too will become merciful. And I will close with this. this. This is our message to the world, North Shore Community Church. Because the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, verse 9, that God's heart is that the Gentiles would see his mercy and praise him. And the missionary heart of God is that the people out driving up and down the street and working in your offices and going to school with you 
that they need to know God is a merciful God so that the Gentiles will fall in line and join us to experience his mercy and praise him. I know. The self-righteous people won't be interested. The people who congratulate themselves on being superior to others, they're not interested. Don't talk to me about the cross of Jesus. That offends my sensibilities. Yes, they will, they're offended. I know. We can say to them, oh, you would like justice on the judgment day? Then you will get justice on the judgment day. As for me, I'm asking for mercy. Are you? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. So amazing. He didn't just tell us how to live, but he showed us how to live a life of mercy and to live a life that cares for others and to live a life that forgives those who trespass against us. Oh, work your life and your grace in us, we pray. As a church family, could we be known, we ask, could we be known as a, as a church family that's a merciful church family, a gracious church family, a forgiving church family, so that we would fall in line and praise our wonderful, merciful Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.